Would you please welcome our lead pastor, Tom Ricosi, as he comes to preach this Mother's Day message. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. Well, it is, well, I got a team, husband and wife. I love that. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord on Mother's Day. I got to tell you that preaching on Mother's Day is one of the most difficult sermons for me because you ladies intimidate the socks right off of me as it is. And, and, and it's, I, now I'm not making comparison here, but, but it's like when, when I go to a, um, a prison and preach and I shake the hands of those prisoners and you say, praise the Lord, the, the guys working there in the prison, they say, you better mean it because you can't con a con. Well, I tell you ladies, you could read right through me because you know if I'm real or not in presenting this word. But I want you to understand that I'm going to speak about a woman that we have no idea who she actually is. But I kind of feel that she resides in this sanctuary and there online to those whom we were speaking to. I'm going to talk to you about a tenacious faith of a mother. You know, in the past year and a half, we have, um, we have been in practically lockdown. We have been enclosed in our homes. And, and I guess one, one thing that one company, Netflix, really happy about it because that thing had to explode in all these movie channels. But, but this is one movie that will never be made about this woman. No books, no documentary, because no one really knows who this tenacious woman of faith actually is. Now, we know a little bit about her in the region in which she is from, but that is it. However, her faith really, as I said, is being lived out today in, in mothers. You know, they're biological mothers, foster mothers, mothers who have adopted single parenting mothers, um, women who've invested in the lives of children that reverse generational curses. I want to talk to you, really about you, but about illustrating this through this woman of great faith. Did you know that there is a difference between a strong woman and a woman of strength? A strong woman works out every day to keep her body in shape. A woman of strength kneels in prayer to keep her soul in shape. A strong woman isn't afraid of anything. But a woman of strength shows her courage in the midst of fear. A strong woman won't let anyone get the best of her. But a woman of strength gives the best of her to everyone. A strong woman walks sure-footedly, but a woman of strength knows God will catch her when she falls. A strong woman wears the look of confidence on her face. A woman of strength wears grace. A strong woman has faith that she is strong enough for the journey, but a woman of strength has the faith and that in the journey, she will become strong. Now, what separates those two? 
What separates that strong woman and a woman of strength? Well, it is a woman of faith. And that faith is often worked behind the scenes where nobody sees it and there's absolutely no fanfare. Today, I'm going to share with you about you. Her name really is unknown, and I really like it because this can be any one of you ladies sitting in this sanctuary or watching online. And there are plenty of stories about those unknown people that we really don't know anything about them except what they experience, because we don't know their name. The Samaritan woman at the well. The widow who gave her mite at the temple. The publican who, well, this is a guy who, who stood in the back of the temple and beat his chest because he felt he was unworthy to be in the presence of God. And then there's a good Samaritan, the prodigal son. So I guess what I want to get down to is that talk about people really don't know, don't have to know our names for us to impact their lives or our community. But today the problem is, is that in our society that we want people to know who we are. We want our 15 minutes of fame. But all they really need to know is that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And by our godly example and what comes out of our mouth, we'll show them that way, a better way in Christ. So, I really have come to believe that one of the most influential people in the world really is mothers. And throughout the ages, we've seen some pretty spiritual giants rise up because of the influence of mothers. Consider Samantha Wesley, uh, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, the founder of the Methodist denomination. This, this lady, this mother had 17 children. That scares the bejeebers out of me. 17 children. How do you feed them? How do you bathe them? You know, I don't mind getting the bath first or second, but could you imagine getting that bath water after the 16th kid? <laughs> It would be toxic waste, isn't it? You know? <laughs> 17 children. She prayed for every one of them by name every single day. <laughs> I think it would be a miracle she remembered their names. But she had this mother's heart, not only to pray their names before God, but their needs. Then, here's the amazing thing. Somehow, in the schedule of being a mother of 17 children, and who knows what that encompasses, she took one hour a week for each child and sat down and spoke spiritual truth in each one of their lives. Is it any you know, surprise to any of us that these two young men that God used to bring revival to England and to America Solomon, whose wisdom spans the ages, 
He says this in Proverbs 1.8. Not to forsake a mother's teaching. Last Sunday, before the second service of walking around and talking with people, I stopped and I talked to an 18-year-old, this student. She was seeking God. She was seeking wisdom. And she showed me, Pastor, this is a book of, uh, I was reading here, of Proverbs. See, there's someone speaking into her life and igniting this fire to be a tenacious woman of faith. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it to my mother. What a treasure of a godly mother. What, what a, a treasure to have within our hearts and knowing that that woman is bringing your name before the throne room of God. This mother that we're going to look at, as I said, she really, we don't know who she is by name. This I do know. She knows the name of Jesus. So let's look at Matthew, the 15th chapter, starting with verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and, and, and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. She didn't say possessed. She says oppressed. What she is saying, that there is a spiritual warfare that is going on to destroy this child of her. I don't know where she comes from. I don't know what location she actually lives in in the community. I don't know if it's something about the family that is wrong or the community she lives in. All I do know is that there is an attack upon the soul of this child. Can I tell you something? If you hear anything that I'm saying here this morning, hear this that there is an all-out assault. It is not a hidden assault. It is not something behind the scenes. It is up front in our faces, an attack upon the lives of our children today. There, there is no bars hold. They are being exposed to more stuff than you as an adult have ever or will be exposed in a lifetime. And they're getting exposed to that in a matter of a few years. And their minds are not formed yet. So they got to simulate all that stuff through a mind of a child. And we're wondering why they're struggling. We're wondering why they're going through the things that they're going through. We may say, well, when I was a kid, well, I'm telling you, pal, excuse me, did I say that? Well, I meant that. I'm telling you is that it's different today. It's different what these students are going through than what we went through. They're exposed to much more than we ever were exposed to. There's an all-out assault on their lives. 
That's why we need people who have that tenacious faith to say, I am not going to give in and I am not going to give up. But now here's, listen to this. She comes before Jesus, weeping before him. Here's his response. But he did not answer her a word. Does that not get to you that you ask someone something and they just don't acknowledge you? You think, what do you think I am? At least say no or something. Grunt. He didn't say anything. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. When did they ever think it was about them? It was about Jesus. Yes, she was crying because there is a warfare, a spiritual warfare for the very soul of her daughter, and she has no clue what to do to resolve it, but she knows who can. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Talking to this Gentile girl. But she came and knelt before him, knelt before him and worship unto him, saying, Lord, not Jesus, not teacher, not rabbi. She said, Lord. There's a submission there. There's a recognition of who he is. Help me. And he answered, how? Isn't it not, is it not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? He's saying this word that I am teaching. It's just not right that I take this word that I'm giving to this, to Israel. Give it to a Gentile? Called her a dog. And she said, yes, Lord. She still recognized him, who he is. She said, yes, Lord. <laughs> I'm a dog. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What hunger for the word. Here's, we live in a, a society today that we love prosperity. We love to live in comfort. We, we love to have stuff. When all we need is Jesus. She understood that. She wasn't asking for her life to be better. She wasn't asking for food or housing. She wasn't asking for anything except help for her child. <laughs> then Jesus answered her, Oh, woman, great, not pretty cool, nice, 
you know, you have, you know, faith. He says, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed immediately. I, I hear that and I go, good night. What an incredible woman that she was not going to allow anything, any situation. But, but, but can I tell you something? It was not easy getting there. She had to go through some, well, over, around, through, under, I don't know, some pretty, pretty big barriers. One, one of those overcoming some of those immense barriers is, well, is that, well, she's, well, let me say this first, is desperate situations calls for desperate faith. I'm sure that this woman went to everyone that she could have gone to. I'm sure that, that, that she would have talked to anyone. You know, us men, we will go to someone which we are sure that they have the answer. You women, you will talk to the mailman if he had the answer for you. You have no problem of asking for directions, asking for help to anybody. As you, I mean, you will process it. We think about it first. Do they know that the answers, what would I look like if I ask them this silly question or whatever, is that not you women. You know, there's a need. You're going to find someone somehow by chance or by luck or some way or by the direction of God who's going to get your help because you're going to go after them. This woman had to be asking everybody, her neighbors, her friends. She probably even was sneaking around finding a rabbi teacher to be able to find out what could be done to help my child. But her child was possessed by a demon. Boy, I tell you something. We, um, I don't know what was going on in that child. And she was in depression. And she was suicidal. If she, if she was at home curled up in a fetal position, weeping. It was not good, that attack upon her life. And Satan was using every means he can to try to destroy her. But no one wanted to help her. One is, well, she was this woman. See, that was the other barrier. She had a barrier of being a woman. I'm thinking, what are you saying, Pastor? Back then, a woman didn't carry much weight. She, she was not on equal ground with the men. She, in fact, she was nothing more than just property to that man. Even then, if the women wanted to have some kind of teaching, they couldn't have it directly to her. And they would have to go in the balcony or outside the temple and look into this flat to be able to get any kind of teaching. And what I love about our story is that Jesus Christ, he changes all of that. His teaching transcends culture and brought women out of the dark and out of their bondage and gave them hope and a future. Can I say something here? Is that 
Now, you may be shocked at hearing this. Our culture is a mess. Hmm. You know, duh. It's a mess. People hate people. They're doing everything and treating everybody wrong, and it's just horrible. And what they want to do is that they're doing everything they can. Says, we got to make this right. we got to make this right. So what are we going to do? We're going to pass new laws to make this right. But you see, a law can change a person's behavior, but it does not change a person's heart. And what our culture needs is a change of heart. And that change of heart can only happen through the, the transformation work of God in a person's life. It is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And these religious leaders, they just probably had to hate Jesus because how he treated women, how he spoke into their lives, how he put value into their lives. In fact, There were these women, back in those days, they were called disciples. Now, they may have not been the original 12, but there was a whole lot of more disciples than the original 12. And among those many disciples were women who were called disciples. The New Testament. Is, is such a, an amazing work of that transformation, what women impacted the church. There was um, Anna, the prophetess who blessed Jesus. There was Mary and Martha, the Samaritan woman, Mary Magdalene, along with Lois and Eunice, the mother and grandmother of Timothy. And here is Jesus. He just didn't just address this woman as a woman who cared for a child, he addressed her as a woman of great faith. And it was that tenacious spirit that was not going to allow her to give in or give up. But here's another problem that she had. Not only was she a woman, you've heard me already say, another barrier was being a Gentile. You, you, you see what, what was going on here. How he said, I came to the people of Israel. Then he even threw out, why would I even waste the crumbs on my table? Why would she go to him? They knew. This Canaanite woman knew what the Jews felt about the Canaanites, especially the Canaanite women. And yet, somehow, something got into her because she heard about the stories about Jesus. I don't know how she heard about them. She may have been following him from a distance. She may have heard it through walking past the synagogue, the temple. She may have heard people just talking. It, it's it's like when we're teaching out of the book of Joshua on Wednesday nights. Man, it is. We are in the eighth chapter this Wednesday. 
I can't wait. There are so many truths. This ancient book is speaking to the relevance of this time. And stories are spread so quickly about the power of God. When the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, making their way to Jericho, the people in Jericho, they heard about the exploits of the Israelites. And the Bible says, and their hearts melted in fear. Somehow, her heart was not melting in fear. Her heart was inflamed in fire. I finally found someone. Someone could make a difference. Someone who could do something. Someone who could help my child, my baby girl. So being that Gentile really didn't make much of a difference to them. An amazing thing to me is that something about the disciples, they didn't get it either. They just wanted her to go away. She was making a scene. <laughs> now, Passing this church for 21 years, I, I know you folks well enough that if there was a need of life and death with your child, I would not get in your way. It's, it's like when, when, when I worked in the coal mines and, and I was working in a roof that was really bad, and my boss would stand beside me as I'm operating that machine cutting the coal. And I would tell him, now listen, I want you to stand forward a little bit or back a little bit. Because you're standing right beside me. If this roof starts to come down, I am not saying, excuse me. You will have footprints right over you. I promise you that. So he stood forward. And believe me, church, is that this woman would have done anything or everything to be able to get to Jesus. Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tri um, tribulation. <laughs> I love that he threw that in there because sometimes we think when I become that follower of Jesus Christ, everything is going to be humpy-dory. Talk to that about the disciples. Eleven of the twelve died martyrs' death. Read Hebrews, that that eleventh chapter. Oh, it's a book of faith, the hall of fame. But there's also in the latter part of it where those followers of Christ were literally cut in two. But for a better resurrection. That's tenacious faith. And that, and then he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This woman had that overcoming, tenacious faith to get help for her daughter. She, she had, because of her tenacious faith, she persisted. She was a woman. 
Jesus had looked down upon, was not acknowledged or listened to, was really told to get out of there. She had no value. She was a Gentile. Even Jesus was testing her faith in, in, in what he said. Or listen to me in Matthew 15, 25. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She said, yes, Lord. She wasn't even going to allow the harshness of those words. Why would he say such a thing but to test her faith? And she said back, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Persistence means to refuse to give up or to give in. It's, it's like the story in Luke, the 18th chapter, about the judge. Now, this judge, he was in a position of authority, so much authority that, that he really didn't care what people thought. He just had that authority. He got caught up in his own power. He could do what he wanted to do. Yet this woman here in Luke 18 reaches, and there was a widow in a town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. I just need justice. She was wrong. But remember, women weren't looked upon fairly. He didn't care. <laughs> Neither did she. She kept coming, kept coming, and kept coming. See, listen to this. In Deuteronomy, God's word, it says, Deuteronomy 27, uh, 19, cursed. It doesn't say shame on you. Bad boy, bad girl. It said cursed is anyone who withholds justice from a foreigner or fatherless or a widow. Justice. And Zechariah 7.10 says, do not oppose the widow or the fatherless. See, her persistence, she was not going to give up. And Luke 18.5 says, because this woman troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by her continued coming she wears me. Wears me. She just wore that poor guy down because she had this tenacious faith of knowing what the word of God has to say, that she deserved justice. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock, and it will be uh, open to you. For everyone, oh, I, I just, I, when, when I read that, I want to dance, I want to shout, I want to say that. Everyone, say everyone. Okay, now we get it. Everyone, Greek or Jew, male, female, young, old, Whoever, 
Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. When she came to him, she had some kind of understanding. She may have not been able to teach. She may not have been able to reason all of the complexities of the universe in the dealing with the creator. But what she knew is that he was the, the Messiah. He was Lord, sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful. She heard of those stories, and she, it's all she needed to know. She didn't have to know how he was able to do all these things. She just knew that he could. That is a kind of faith that we need to have because sometimes we try to get too smart for our own britches. We try to figure God out. I want you to know, my friend, when you figure your God out, that's the God you don't want to be your God because his ways are far higher than our ways. He's beyond my understanding. I am thrilled that I'm able to know the word. I can study the word, but there are times I'm still baffled by it. There are times I wonder why would have he sent those harsh things to this woman, but his ways are higher than my ways. But the outcome, the outcome of that word, of that tenacious faith is amazing. And that's all she needed to have. So then, here's what happened. In Matthew 15, 28, then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, 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 woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Can I ask you something this morning? Mom? Looking around, I want to make eye contact with them all here. Mm. <laughs> I'll even look over at that one. I fear her the most. My man. That woman could read not my thoughts, but my thoughts. That will be my thoughts. She could read them. Listen to me. What do you desire? No, I, I, my, my wife's phone rang like that one time, and I told her, I says, I hope that's Jesus calling. <laughs> I should have never said that because then she came back and says, it is, and he's saying, let my people go. So I'm not going <laughs> to. I've learned not to challenge this woman of tenacious faith. But here's something. What do you desire? You desire your children to come to know God better. Do you, do you desire a reconciliation in family relationships, mom and child or husband and wife or family issues. I used to jokingly say to people, 
pray for my kids to go, why? What's wrong? They come from this dysfunctional home. No, that's your home, isn't it? Because there's no perfect home. But this, I do know, as God, God knows your heart. Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it's for finances. I don't know what it is. It's your world. It's your life. What is your desire for God to move within it? As being Lord Almighty, the one who spoke the world into existence, who knows everything from the beginning to the end. He's the Alpha and Omega of our faith. We could come before him. What is it? You see, here's what I do know. She had a heart of worship in spite of her barrier. Matthew 15, 25 says, Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. One another version says, And she came and knelt down and said, Lord, help me. She knelt before him and recognizing that who he is. She allowed that reverence in order to do that, to be able to call him Lord. That something had to happen in her life. Yes, her child was oppressed by a demon. Her child was in trouble. And she came to realize that there was only one and that is Jesus who is able to come to help her. Knowing that she was this woman, knowing that she was this Gentile woman, what gave her the right to come before him? But she had to hear of his teachings, how he treated women, how he treated people, how he loved people. My but in order to call him Lord, I truly believe that she came to that realization that she was her Lord. He was her Lord. Because she said, Lord, my Savior, my God. You see, that gave her the right. Made no difference anything else. Made no difference of her past. Made no difference of all of her failures or mistakes. Made no difference if she came from a family of prestige. Made no, none of that counted. Only thing that counted that he was her Lord. Lord, help me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love that. Not of ourselves. I confess to the first service about how I felt before preaching that first service. This very seldom ever happens to me. 
I'm coming to talk to you on Mother's Day of all days and I felt nothing. Felt nothing. I didn't sense the anointings. I didn't have any energy, none whatsoever in my body. I was exhausted. I wake up. Arlene hates me when I wake up because when I wake up, I am fully functional the second my eyes open up. I'm lock and load. I'm ready to go out. I don't hardly ever remember those times when I don't have energy. And I felt nothing. I was scared. And then there was a word of prophecy spoken in that first service saying that, remember that when you are weak, he will make you strong. <laughs> oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Then he reminded me, as though get up there and present my word. And I said, subconsciously, I'm ready, okay. Give me the energy. Give me that anointing. Cover me with your, your presence. And nothing came. And the Lord reminded me once again this is happening in mega seconds these thoughts are going so quick through my mind and he says when did you ever think it was about you just present my word it will speak for itself I want you to understand mom I want you to understand, family of God, is that there are times we don't understand what is happening in our lives. Yes, there will be challenges. Mega challenges. Challenges, and I pray not as much as this woman who had her child who was oppressed by a demon who wanted to destroy her very life. A woman who knew that she had no position to be able to ask for anything. But she only knew what she knew, and that he was Lord, and he had the answers. And that tenacious faith, she knew that she had to get to him, and nothing was going to stop her. He could say what he wanted to say. I'll eat the crumbs off of the table. Just touch my baby girl. God recognized her great faith. Our culture needs women like this. who no one will ever know who they may be, but they're changing lives all around them, just like you are here this morning and there who are watching online. I have no clue where you, you may be hearing this in India, going through that pandemic there that is destroying lives. 
But this I do know, that his word says, by his stripes we are healed. I hear what the doctors say. I hear what all the journalists are saying. I hear what the diseased people are saying. I hear all that. And when I hear all that, it gives me shivers. But then I open this word up, and this word says, by his stripes we were healed. He is the Lord God who heals us. His word says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. His word says that you, you are his crowning glory. He says that you can do all things, not some things, all things through Christ who strengthens you. Everything, even come before God with such desperate need. He says, I am who I am. See, you're a child of God. Great is your faith. I want you to hear him say, be it done for you as you desire. Would you stand?